Welcome back to Change Cultivators, where we explore all of the topics around organizational change, and we try to bring you the best tips and tricks and hacks to help you be a better leader of change. We are going to have a great discussion today. I'm Patrick Fitzmaurice, one of your co-hosts, and I'm here with Roz and Boyd as well, and we're excited about the hour ahead, aren't we, Roz? We are. Patrick, great to be back. Excellent. And I am sure our listeners will get a great amount of nuggets out of this conversation we're about to have with Cassandra Worthy. Cassandra Worthy has a remarkable career from the corporate side to doing corporate innovation to realizing that maybe her path was kind of not in that world to go out and start her own thing in the, in, in the consulting and the speaking world. And it approaches change from a different area than we've been touching on in some of our previous episodes. It really focuses on the people side of this and the role of people and emotion and how, and how people are so critical to kind of bring aboard for change. So first of all, Cassandra. Hello, how are you? I'm chilling. How are you doing, Patrick? What up, Roz? <laughs> I, <laughs> I am Great awesome. Great to be on the show. So thank let, you, me, thank you. let me jump in and kind of just have you level set for us. Change enthusiasm is not something that people learn in school. It's not a word that's thrown around a lot, but somehow you've cornered that market and you own that. Let us know what that is. Tell our listeners what you mean when we get into this topic of change enthusiasm. Let's do it. So I got to tell you, whenever I tell people that I teach, that I coach, that I train, change enthusiasm, I, it's often met with like eye rolls because it's like, all right, Cassandra, you know, you're a highly optimistic, positive person. Get out of here with all this enthusiasm. I'm struggling right now. I don't want to hear it. But it's it's not that. It's not this ovary, sugary, sweet, optimistic, just outlook being enthusiastic about change. And it's not some kind of cliche marketing gimmick. So change enthusiasm is a stepped growth mindset. There are three steps involved with being a change enthusiast and practicing the mindset of change enthusiasm. The first is what I call the signal. And it's recognizing the emotions, the complex emotions that often accompany major change and disruption, like fear, like anxiety, like frustration, like anger. It's recognizing when you get those emotions, when they bubble up within, they're signaling you into a moment of opportunity. And that's the second step, recognizing the opportunity that your emotions present you with and understanding what are my options? How can I milk this opportunity for all that it's worth? And then the third and final step is making a conscious, productive choice. So of those options that you've explored, what are you going to choose to reach a better feeling and ultimately a better result? So it's a three-step growth mindset about you taking control and ownership of your work experience and transforming the power of that emotion, those emotions that come with change. I, I I love that. And, you know, you, you use the word you, and I assume when you're talking about that, you're talking to an individual, maybe you're a leader yes. of a team who has to bring their yes. team through this change, right? That is correct. Yeah. Whether and, you're you're executing the change or leading it, leading others through it. Correct. Perfect. And I love that, you know, and it's people often underlook how important it is to bring people through change and how critical it is to acknowledge that they're human beings. Um, There's a graphic that I've used in a lot of my consulting work, and it kind of goes through a change curve, and it literally hits a trough, which they call the depths of despair and change, right? Change usually starts going, (laughs) change usually starts going, this is cool, this is exciting, and then it's like, crap, this is hard, and like, oh my God, I'll never be able to do this, right? And and, and I love your taking that and really ascribing emotive things to it, and as you kind of do this work with people, you know, helping them through that change journey seems really, really critically important to connecting with people on this emotional human level. Yeah, it's so true. And it's, I think just in the past 
few decades, couple of few decades, we're starting to see really people-centric change initiatives and, and people-centric tools and processes to go through major change and disruption. But unfortunately, you know, that McKinsey stat, still 70% of major change initiatives are failing. Right. And I truly believe that people, that's step one, understanding that it's people, but then it's, it's a step further. It's people's beliefs and emotions, because I firmly believe believe that lasting change, sustained change cannot happen until belief changes, right? So you have to get your people engaged in the change journey by instilling the right belief and why this change makes sense, why this change is going to be better for the business, why this change is going to enable them to become better employees, better leaders, you know, and, and once they are able to grab on to that belief, then they're ready to go with you. They're ready to walk with you. So it's a matter of tapping into that belief system, that belief structure, and then allowing them, enabling them to ha- you know, harness the power of their emotion, which is what I like to say is it's a resource and it's infinite. Yes. We all have this infinite well of emotion. And when you can transform anxiety into anticipation, that's going to help accelerate your change journey like you wouldn't believe. And Cassandra, you explain it, you make it sound so easy. It's like if we just figure out how people feel, but we, we've spoken about this in our previous podcast, you know, going into this pandemic world, you know, one of the superpowers leaders are going to have, well, the strong leaders will have is that of empathy. Mm. And, you know, we've often discussed that people are so focused on the bottom line and reporting to the board and the shareholders, and they just yeah. keep like, let's go, we've got to achieve our objectives. And that softer side that yeah. you talk about, which is that emotion, that takes longer because it's not usually easy for leaders. And also it takes a lot of time and there's less uh, results to report into, you know, the board because the board's going, have you done this? Have you done this? And now you've got to step back almost in a way, go slower and say, I need to spend a bit more time with my people. So yes, I've I've got a few questions for you and you can answer it all in one go, but Mm. how do you capture, is it one emotion you capture across all people or is it actually, you know, what I'm seeing here is anxiety, you know, fear of the unknown, I'm going to, whatever it is. And then on top of that, how do you practically work with leaders to help them tap into the side of things? So, you know, if you were to come into a a company, how would you practically say to a leader, we need to address this first, let's Mm. do X, Y, and Z? Yeah. Let me start with the, with the emotions, the first, the first part of your question. So there's not just one. Um, and all the work that I've done with, with you know, hundreds of clients, hundreds of thousands of people over the past four or five years, I've distilled it down into five emotions that really signal during major change and disruption. They are fear, anxiety, frustration, anger, and grief. Grief, the sense of loss, um, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, losing a career, losing a job. And so those are really the, the signal emotions that plague organizations, plague leaders, when big change, big disruption, big transformation is on the horizon or that they're going through it. So those are the the signal emotions that I speak to specifically. And then notably, how do I engage leaders when I'm working with clients? Well, I do this, you know, I have a leadership workshop and within that workshop, I create something that I call a signal session. And the signal session is about 
recognizing if you have felt any of those signal emotions in the past you know, month, the past two or four weeks. And doing this now, it's like everybody's hand <laughs> goes up, right, with the pandemic and, and everything that's going on. And then once you're able to identify that you felt one or all of those signal emotions, it's about understanding what are the thoughts that's bringing my awareness into that emotion. So it's really about stepping through an exercise of, of emotional self-awareness and helping to understand what is the thought that's bringing focus to that energy. Mm. Once you can identify the thought, you can start understanding how can I transform that thought so that I can use this anxious energy I have inside, but turn it on its head to anticipation. Um, you know, and I like to say that the only difference between fear and hope is belief. It's belief or one's own perspective and outlook. So once you can coach someone through how to change that outlook, how to change that perspective, those feelings begin mm. to shift. And, and you're right. In no way do I want to make light of the fact that this is very difficult. <laughs> it is challenging. Um, and as I was mentioning before the call, you know, I, I, I truly practice what I most need to learn. <laughs> so this is not easy. It's not easy for me either. You know, oftentimes when we have those signal emotions, our human nature is just to want to either vent, which is what I call energetic transference, or we want to conserve it. So we want to hold it inside. We want to ignore it. We want to stay eyes on the prize. We're a stoic leader. You know, we don't talk, leave emotion at the door. But then what happens is that energy just brews. Yeah, and it becomes it just negative. Brews. You end up just unleashing it onto someone who doesn't deserve it at all, right? The smallest little thing and that, that energy yeah. just comes out. But the most productive way to, to harness the power of that energy is through transformation, is to transform it right? And, and transform that energy into what I call the growth accelerating emotions of change, which is like anticipation, excitement, joy, gratitude. Gratitude's a big one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, love it. So I want to cycle back a little bit because I, I, I just, I, I always like to make sure our listeners don't miss something, right? And, and we're going to keep track of all of these in the show notes of these like little moments when you've dropped a gem. Um, but I want to go back to one that I think is a gem, right? You said you run these signal workshops, signal assessment, signal sessions, signal Signal sessions. sessions. And it's all about, it kind of sounds very self, it starts with this self-assessment, right? And we talk, we talk a lot about in both my consulting work and on the podcast at Change Cultivators, um, that everybody needs to be an agent of change given disruptive times that everybody's like, you you can't opt out, right? Like you just can't opt out of being part of change, organizational change. And so it's almost like you've created this methodology, like like a Myers-Briggs used to do with personality mm-hmm. assessments or a DISC assessment used to do about, you know, how you process communication efforts. It's like everyone should know where they currently stand on their receptivity to being a change agent. Is that a fair way for our, our listeners to kind of think about that little assessment piece? Yeah, I think it is. And what it also affords is just the awareness that as a leader, because this is a leadership-focused workshop, as a leader, I'm getting my signal emotions too. You know, right. so as much as I might try to remain as emotionless and only thinking about this is the goal and I'm going to get my organization through it, you right. have to recognize you're feeling your emotions too. Right. And the yeah. best that you can understand and embrace that, you're going to be a more inspired uh-huh. leader. Because it's going to invite you into even showing a little bit of vulnerability, 
to your people uh, who are well, feeling and, their emotions yeah. too, and, right? And, and on work teams, work teams really need to understand each other's styles. You know, it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. You're making me flashback. Years ago, I brought my a uh, 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 team of mine through one of these assessments, and on the on the bus back, as we were all kind of going back, everybody's going through theirs, and and they're all looking at me, going, "Now I understand." And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" And they're like, "Well, you are so like this, but in times of stress and when we really have to get shit done, you're even more <laughs> like that." And I'm like, "Yes." <laughs> and I kind of just said, "It's good that y'all know that." Now let's just yes. acknowledge that and we'll work better together. And then we'll work through it. Yeah. One, I would say one of the, I think there's four major pitfalls when uh, leaders are, are going through change. And one of them is not acknowledging the fact that everyone wears change differently. There are going to be some people like, like yourself who just become ridiculous rock stars and can really navigate change very, very well. There are others who are just going to become stagnant, who will just get stuck in those signal emotions and find themselves in that mental downward spiral. All they can do is vent about how horrible things are, how much things suck. So you're going to have a myriad of different personalities in the way people wear change. And as a leader, you have to acknowledge that. And Roz, like you said, give people the time and the grace to wear change however they deem fit. However, yeah. they and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw something a little bit controversial in here, but please I, I can. And actually, this season is all about our female leaders, uh, Cassandra. You, you're kicking off our, our women in leadership here. But do you find that? And again, this is very generic, but men and women are wired differently. Let's be honest. We were born yeah. different. We are different. Do you find that women are more present to this emotional side of people than men are? And yeah. are you finding, you know, going into this new season now, the pandemic, the the remote um you know, trying to communicate now. So you're talking about doing virtual training. Now you're sitting Mm -hmm. behind a screen and you're now trying to have to pick up these emotional signals again, even through a screen. And it's going to become more and more and more. I've, I've, you know, uh, consulted and and been in-house in senior positions in in a number of companies and dealt with a lot of senior men at boards and, and CEOs and I often find trying to get the men to spend time on the softer side of things, they have less time for it because, as I say, mm. numbers driven, need to get to the board, do this, do this. How are you finding that? Because that's a fun and interesting challenge. Are you finding yes. a difference between the sexes or, or Always, not? always. And this is pre-pandemic, I found that difference. Um, yeah. Definitely more women leaders, in my personal experience, can tap into that emotional side, the emotional complexity of change more readily. And they're also more apt to evolve evoke empathy and to make time for employees to to feel valued and heard simply by holding space, holding space and understanding how are you managing the change? How are you feeling during the change? So I definitely have seen a higher number of female leaders able to do that. But here's the watch out for my ladies out there is that so often we are mindful of those around us and making sure that the leaders, the people in our organizations are nourished that they are being heard, that they have all the tools, everything that they need, that we can run ourselves ragged. And we take on so much of that emotional complexity and holding such space for everyone else and not give time and attention to ourselves. And then women burn out, yeah. Yes, so quickly. And I've seen some of the best leaders just leave a company because of that burnout. Emotional and and physical Exhaustion, yeah. Yes, and it can happen so quickly yeah. during change and c- because I think it's during that time where the emotional complexity, I feel like, is never high. Yeah, 
And I think, I don't know whether it was you or Patrick spoke, mentioned the word vulnerability. And I think Mm -hmm. as much as a woman can be maybe a little bit more tuned to that, a woman in business also doesn't want to look vulnerable again. Right. So I find a a lot of female leaders don't want to show their flaws and their vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. and it's such a big thing. And this now I'm taking it away from the gender thing. It's leaders again. And it's Mm -hmm. really is how do you, lead properly today if you're not going to be vulnerable because you've also got to say you know there's things I'm not sure about there's things yes. we don't know the world's moving so fast you know yes. and that this is coming up in so many of our discussions with clients with our podcasts is is vulner- vulnerability and leadership yeah. is becoming so important today it's huge and I feel like what that does is when you open yourself up and you're sharing your own signal emotions it almost creates this conduit for the emotional energy of another to pass. Mm. And it's like you create this connection and you're talking about increasing engagement. That truly can increase engagement when you yourself are opening that portal and showing you got heart, showing that you're your authentic self and you're feeling similar ways that they're feeling. You create this really rich uh, connection. And if I might, I just want to share one story about that. Cause you know, as Patrick mentioned, I spent 15 years working in corporate, um, before sunsetting that and, and, and starting my own firm, but late, late in the, in this, in the game, when I was uh, an executive, I was leading, um, a team through a huge breakthrough innovation. And this was in the alkaline battery business. It was to be the biggest innovation that the business had seen in probably three decades. And we were approaching a really, really significant milestone on the technical side. I'm a chemical engineer by trade, so I led the technical organization. Um, and we were approaching this really major milestone, and the team had been you know, laser-focused on making this thing happen. And there's a lot that goes into a manufacturing trial. This is what the milestone was. We were going to be trialing our lead formulation, putting product samples on test, making sure we're ready to go to launch. Uh, the week before, the most senior leader uh, was uh, on our prep call, you know, the technical readiness call. And after we went through our plans, he was like, I think that we need to change this based on some information that I just received from commercial about needing to change our performance targets. So you guys need to add two more formulations to this. This is a week before we're supposed to go. And it's, so it's like, and I'm, I'm in the room, he's on a conference call, and I can feel the energy in the room completely change. And the faces just went, just fell down. Everyone felt deflated. And when we hung up that call, it was like uh, you could hear a pin drop, the silence. And I felt that emotional energy. And so just for a moment, I had to get right there with him like, wow, that was tough news. I don't know how we're going to pull that off. That's a big change. And I opened it up. How are, how are you guys feeling about this? And everyone's, you know, then was free to share those emotions. But once we got through that, recognizing, okay, well, this is kind of an opportunity for us to see some different things with these products, maybe even do create a better product for the initiative. So this could be a good thing. So once I got the energy a little bit transformed, I reached out to that leader and I told him, I was like, I understand that the directive, we're going to make this happen as best we can, but I need you to do me a favor the way that you approach this request really deflated the team. And it started to make them feel very disengaged. And you have to understand they've been working day and night to make this happen. And so I would love it if you would send an email, basically applauding them for all their efforts that they've done to date and the success that we've had so far, and just clearly state why, again, the rationale why you want this change to happen, and just again, applaud them for their efforts. And he sent that email out that evening 
And that next morning, I could feel that the energy had been lifted, nice. right? And they, they knew, okay, our, our, the business is depending on us. We're doing a great job, but we've got to keep moving forward. And so it's a matter of showing that empathy and understanding, yo, yeah, we got directives to do, but there are emotions involved. These are emotional beings that I'm dealing with, and I need to be respectful of that. It's, 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 it's so fascinating because during times of change, people are like so task focused and I on the prize and get stuff done and get it done. Right. And mm-hmm. it, it, there, there's disruption going on and there's a lot of risk involved usually. And so you get hung up in all of that and you get detached from the, from the people. Right. And yeah. uh, you know, there's a, there's a great, I think it's a Zig Ziglar quote that I've used in a lot of things. It's like, you don't build the business, you build people and you let the people build the business. Right. And it's like this notion of like leaders stop doing that. Right. Don't worry about building your business, build your people. People, and the people yes. will take care of your business, right? Yes. And so it's fascinating. So I love that you're hitting on these pitfalls, right? Like, you know, when, when a big change initiative is happening and you have to lead it, there, there's things that are pitfalls, right? That mm-hmm. you have, and you have change communication is one of them, right? Yep. It's just, you're not communicating with why and what you want out of the change. And there's been studies that uh, we use a lot in our consulting practice that in a time of disruptive change, you have to communicate things 10x more than you normally want to, because Again, it's not that people don't want to do the change. You're just not giving clarity and driving them through. So hit a couple of those other pitfalls for us, if you can, that you see that as organizational leaders have to drive through change, what's in their way? What are the barriers? What are the pitfalls that, you know, you codify and you help people through? Yeah. So number one, and it's, you know, what change enthusiasm is is all about. It's not diminishing or ignoring negative emotion. Um, and, and second to that is recognizing everyone wears change differently. So allowing those platforms for people to actually express and knowing that they're in that opportunity and allowing them to transform that emotion. Um, the other thing is that we focus way too heavily on the change vision, making sure everyone is clear on what their roles are and their responsibilities, and don't think about the well-being and health of the employees and making sure we're putting strategies and processes behind um, on that as well. Um, and yeah, allowing productive outlets for you know, employees to emote. So sharing that empathy uh, and allowing employees the space to be heard. Uh, The other thing that I say specifically for someone leading others through change is I talked about self-care and how so important that is, men and women, uh, because you can run yourself ragged trying to make sure you're- Thanks for not leaving me out, by the way. I was thinking that during that early part of the conversation. I'm all good. Let it go. It's just generalization, Patrick. You were making me flashback. Years ago, I was running workshops when I was doing a lot of work in the shopper marketing space, and, and I- well, I'll say her name. I think it was Dina Howell from PNG. Actually, you may have crossed. Oh, D- 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 Dina, D- D- and we're like, we're, we're struggling. Why don't CMOs get what it, what's so important about shopper marketing? And she literally looked at a bunch of us and said, it's you guys. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I said, I'm sorry. It's white middle-aged men who are holding us back because you want to do it the old way and we got to do things anyway. So I totally subscribe to what you said. (laughs) Yes, yes, for sure. A couple other things just as a leader is, is making sure that you are not being too rigid and the execution of your change vision. Um, I think it was Jeff Bezos who said, you know, we can be very stringent and adherent to our vision, but we have to be a little bit relaxed in the execution of it. Um, Especially when you're inspiring and empowering people to bring their best selves into work, there could be ideas, there could be different ways of executing that you hadn't even thought of. And so you need to be agile and flexible to the potential of that happening. And one of the strategies that I present to my clients that have, that have seen some good success is whether you do a physical kind of comment or suggestion box somewhere in the office, or now that we're in the virtual space, just leaving it for people to email, you know, a certain email address. But as you're ex- 
executing through the change, invite the organization, invite the frontline workers to actually tell you, well, this is working well, this not so much, and be open to suggestions and ways to optimize uh, that change vision and making sure that you're flexible uh, and towards the execution. Of and, it. and just to wrap that, I mean, I love your notion of so much time is spent on future state vision work, yeah. right? Like, where am I going to be? And, you know, tons of money is thrown at big consulting firms. And I can say that because we're a small consulting firm, but big consulting <laughs> firms who, who like send teams of, and, and, I, and, I, and I spawned a BCG consultant who is now recovering, but my son is moving <laughs> away. But this notion of, you know, we, we've got these people in that corner office over there who are all running around tasked with telling us what our vision is. And then like, it's, it's so opposite of what you're saying, right? It's like, yeah. they're going to tell us what our vision is, and then we just got to go do it. And I'm like, well, right. no, that doesn't work. Yeah. yeah. No. No. And this is this comes to the, the point of the role of the communications team, mm-hmm. you know, in a company. And that's my background. So I'm very, very passionate about that. And I think it's internal and external comms. And I, I've always said to, you know, my CEOs that I've worked with is, and it touches on what you're saying, is make your people part of the change, you know, let them input. So- Tell yeah. them you've heard them, um, you know, go through why some suggestions were um, taken and why others aren't. It might not be the right time, but we've got it. And then when you've made yeah. the change, come back and say, you know, yeah. you guys said. So change with people is also really, I don't want to be told what to do. I need mm-hmm. certain power to know that I've heard and that my voice is heard yeah. and that I'm, I'm part of driving this change. Do you care about me? Am I seen? Am I heard? And um, I think you're going to see a lot more uh, comms leads on boards of companies now because, you know, that external and internal comms got to be so ingrained in part of the business strategy, but also it's got to be um, molded by the business strategy. You know, the two have got to sit hand in hand, which I think a lot of companies don't. Um, You know, it's almost like an add-on afterwards. Here's the business strategy and, oh, let's get comms to come in and do to do a campaign, you know, where comms needs to be sitting in there going, okay, I know you want to do this, but you need to think about, you speak about the emotion. Are are we bringing our people along? So before you even go out and tell the company about change, has that conversation, you know, with your comms specialist been had before the CEO even goes out and opens his mouth about where he's going? And I think smart companies are going to get that far more watertight going forward. And they have to. And, and I feel like communications is a, it's a wonderful tool and it's a necessary one. And I think that it speaks to what, again, is at the root of lasting change, in my opinion, and that's belief. Our beliefs are nurtured and formed by communication, what we read, what we hear, witness behavior. So what we see our leaders role modeling, as well as our experience. So as an employee, what am I experiencing in the company? And the more that you can make those three foundational elements of belief consistent and towards and congruent with your change goal, people are absolutely going to be on board. Um, And I couldn't agree with both of you more the importance of frequent communication when you're going through these changes, just to let people know, even if there's nothing to communicate, yes. yeah, yeah, communicate yeah. And something. And it's yeah. not communicating <laughs> lots of things. It's just communicating yeah. frequently. It's Again. something. It's something. Yeah. No, and the actors Tell Go people ahead. three things three times. Don't tell them 10 things once, you know, yes! it, it doesn't mean lots of information. It just means constant communication. Yeah. I like that a lot, Roz. I never heard that one before. Well, Tell I, people I, I three things three times. People, and that's my main thing is 
Three things, three times. Don't yes. tell them 10 things once. They will not yeah. remember it. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. I'm stealing that one. <laughs> like Steal that away. Steal away. Yeah. That's why we're here to share nuggets with amongst ourselves and with the people listening. So that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, I can't away. tell you how many times, especially when I was leading innovation or I'm sorry, acquisitions and cultural integrations and how there were so many times I couldn't communicate what was happening because of legal reasons, right? Yeah. So uh, oftentimes, even though you might have information, you can't share it, or they're asking you things that you yourself don't even know. You, you don't know it. So even if you don't know, communicate either I literally don't know it or I can't because of legal reasons, but reinforce, here's what I do know. So maybe that's the second or third time you're communicating those three things. But right. yeah, sharing something is so important. It's spot on. It's spot on. I'm going to shift gears a little bit if you're up for it. You're up for it, Cassandra? Sure. Bring it on. Okay. So what we love to bring our listeners is kind of a little bit inside you, right? Because you've had wild success in what you're doing along the way. So is there one kind of piece of advice somebody gave you? Is there something that you're going to like, this is why this clicked to me? Like, is there is there some moment or some kind of sequence of moments that are like, oh, that's when the light bulb went on for me. Like that, that's what this is supposed to be about. So is there something there that's uh, actually that you'd be willing to share? And you can communicate that saying, no, I'm sorry, I can't tell you like you just said on the legal <laughs> side. My lawyers will not allow me to do this. No, not at all. So I'll talk about specifically how I got on the path of what I'm doing now out of corporate. And it wasn't one, one instant. Um, it was uh, a sequence of, of things that I heard outside of myself. So I have heard people tell me, you know, as much as I love innovation, as much as I love doing shampoo formulation and, you know, product design, scale up, all that kind of stuff. The things that I was complimented most on was my energy, my enthusiasm, my joy, my articulation, the way that I can energize a team and get them focused going towards a goal. That's what I heard most frequently. And so, and I've heard that throughout my entire career. Throughout those 15 years, I, I heard that. Um, and on top of that, I've also always had this intuition when I was in corporate that leveraging, you know, giving my gifts, my natural talents and abilities was not going to be best served to the world by leading innovation organizations in corporate. There's something different. That was what my intuition was telling me, something different. Right. And so when I took a moment to write down all those compliments that I had heard over the years about the unique value that I bring, married that in with my intuition, I was like, you know what, this is, this is leading me somewhere and I'm going to walk. I don't know where I'm walking to, <laughs> but I'm going to walk. Right. Um, and it was just a matter of exploring that, that curiosity. Um, and I started going to different workshops, different seminars, thinking I, I would just be a nonfiction book writer. Um, but eventually it was like, somebody told me, you need to be on a stage. You need to be sharing this energy with the world. You need to be sharing your message and your perspective in that way. And at the time, I didn't even know you can get paid to speak. <laughs> I'm like, what? I can show up and get a mic and, and people pay me? So once I realized that that was a thing, I was like, okay. So that's really what, what defined the path and uh, you know, figured out how I could get there. Um, and then I wanted to leverage, obviously, what I had learned in corporate. And, and the biggest learnings I have found uh, in my life is what has brought me the, the highest or the strongest signal emotions. So where I've struggled the most. And it was during those acquisitions and feeling like, I don't know if I'm going to have a job tomorrow. I don't know how I'm going to provide for, for myself or my family. Um, I'm so frustrated at these new senior leaders. They don't know me um, and they don't know what value I bring. They're talking about how they might let me go. You know, it's, 
so having to deal with all that, it's like there, there's something here because I was still able to thrive. Is that there's something here, there's a lesson here that I can share with the world. And that's how, how Change Enthusiasm was born. And Cassandra, how do you feel differently from being in corporate to now doing your passion? You know, you're on your own. So it's interesting. It's interesting. So once I identified what my purpose was and I, and I distill it down to this light, this energy, this joy that I feel within myself, my work is to inspire that same light within another. So when I get off a stage, when I'm done with a workshop and somebody comes up to me and their eyes are all bright and they're talking about a lesson, uh, some new perspective they've gotten, I have then inspired that light. And that's the magic. Like that's, that's what I live for now. And once I identified that purpose, I was able to live it in my corporate world. Mm. So it's not like I was miserable in the work that I was doing. Quite the contrary. I was having a blast <laughs> because I was doing engineering. I was figuring things out. I was solving complex problems. I was leading teams. So I was having a ball, but I knew that it was, you know. You, you know, wanted more. You wanted I something. wanted more. I yeah. wanted more. Yeah. So it's, uh, I, I still feel just as good <laughs> as, yeah, yeah, yeah. As, as I felt when, uh, when working in corporate. Um, but I, I got to say, it is, it is nice uh, running your own, your own business. And, yeah. uh, you know, if I don't have an engagement, destiny. yeah, and I want to take a nap at 2 p.m., then I can. You can. Yeah, I sense you do that a lot, right, 2 p.m. naps. I'm just not picking up that vibe. I'm just going to no. <laughs> I'm, I'm pegging you down for four hours of sleep a day. I mean, in the evening and not, not during the day. <laughs> I like at least eight hours of sleep. Just oh my goodness. Take, I wish take I some time and rest to keep this energy up. <laughs> Sandra, you, you've spoken about the power of choice in the face mm. of change. Talk to yeah. our listeners a little bit about that because you're dealing, as you say, with individuals with their own beliefs, their own background. Yeah. Um, the power of choice plays a big role in that, in that, you know, do I want to resist this? Do I want to go ahead? And I think it obviously pigs into a lot of that is that emotional need being met am I being seen but talk to our listeners about that a little bit because this is dealing with individuals rather than a group of course yeah you have the power so I'll I'll share that through a story so one of the first big acquisitions that I went through um, I was fairly young in my career it's about four years um, working at at Proctor so I was a young engineer um, and I went into a business that had been acquired and it was huge um, a multi-billion dollar acquisition and I was supposed to come in and help integrate parent company tools and processes and I, I, it was like an us versus them culture. Every day was like I was hitting my head against a brick wall. Um, it was very tense in those offices. And I felt like I had left my parent company and was working for a different company. And I was miserable. I was miserable. Every day I was frustrated. Every day I was upset. Um, and I was looking for ways to escape. And I, was, I wanted to quit. I wanted to quit the company almost every day. And I went to a mentor And I told her, you know, all the trying times I was having, I basically told her everything short of like firing three people (laughs) that I was really having a hard time with, you know, so she could help me in my work experience. So I really was just venting to her. And, you know, after I I finished, she looked at me and she's like, Cassandra, I want to offer you some advice. You can either get bitter or you can get better. It's your choice. And at first, you know, I wasn't as evolved as I am now. At first, that pissed me off. <laughs> and I'm like, what? You are the director. I am a lowly engineer. You know, I, yeah. I don't have You're supposed power to be in making this. me feel better. Exactly. <laughs> You're supposed to fire these people so that I want to come back to work. That's not my job. 
<laughs> so, uh, you know, at first you know, I, I was upset by it, but then I was like, bitter or better, bitter or better. And then I embraced this idea that I do have power and control over my work experience. It is my choice how I feel throughout the day. And so once I embraced that, it, that I had all the power, that I was sitting in the command chair of how I experienced my work, it's, things started to change. Things started to change. And, and I started engaging with my you know, colleagues in a different way. I ended up writing these articles. Um, we had an intercompany article platform, and I wrote some articles that I called my diaries. And I interviewed several of my colleagues, a couple of them that had upset me and that had pissed me off, just asking them, what are you proud of? You know, how do you think what you're doing could help serve not only this business, but also businesses of the parent company? And it's like through having those conversations, I could see the cultural differences between the two companies and really what was driving that stress and that tension so that I could start thinking how to relax them. And the days just got better and better. Uh, obviously, I still had struggles. I still had you know, tough times, but ultimately, I ended up having a much better experience by taking control of my work. Um, and if it weren't for that opportunity, I want for that position, I wouldn't have gotten my next broadening assignment, which actually was an advancement. Um, so it's like, and that's, that's why I'm such you know, a high energy change enthusiast, because I trust that these really big changes, these disruptions that, that drive all these signal emotions, they're not happening to you. They're happening for you. They're yeah. happening to serve your evolution, to your best self, to become a better leader. And if you will allow it and take control over that experience, you can maximize it and just take your career in, in so many wonderful places. You just got to trust it. Trust it I, and know. So let, let's break it down. Let me be the voice of our listeners for a minute. Yes. Okay, right? So let's just break it down and get super, super real. I, I could have, I could envision some listeners out there saying, well, crap, Cassandra is, is so fearless. I might ascribe as a word to it, so authentically centered on like who who she is and what she wants to do and what kind of lights her fire and motivates her and you know is is just so passionate around this stuff. So it's cool to hear her talk, but I, that's not me. Like, what can I do? Like, what can I really do? So um, I, let, let, let's kind of talk to the voice of the, the people sitting out there going, yeah, I get it. And that's awesome. But I'm not like that. Right. Like, what, <laughs> what, 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 do you, what would you have me do? Yeah. Let me just say you totally are. <laughs> you totally are, right? Because I, too, have been upset binging Netflix for two weeks on the couch. Okay. Um, I had times, like I said, working in that acquisition when I just went home and wanted to numb out. And, you know, I felt unproductive outside of work. I was fed up. I was frustrated. I felt that darkness as well. Okay. And it's a matter of number one, recognizing those emotions, recognizing what you're feeling is it's real and it's there for a reason. So grant yourself grace. And if you need to sit and you need to binge on Netflix for a couple of weeks, do it. Do it as long as you can allow yourself to trust that once you've had that grace and you've let those emotions sit, that you're going to step into your opportunity. And it's not a matter of going from feeling upset, frustrated, wanting to punch somebody in the face, going all the way to bliss and exuberance and this is the best life ever, right? You can't do that just with one choice. It's just little choices to bring you to that next best feeling, right? So moving from depression to stress, right? Uh, moving from like being enraged to just a little frustrated, yeah. right? And so understanding what can I do? What can I choose? What is here for me to get me to a better feeling, what, what is it? There's something here. I'm meant to grow. 
and I got to figure it out. Yeah. I, we have, we have moved from organizational change to like revival a little bit. There. Like it, it's like I mean, awesome, right? Like we just we discovered we just covered a whole new ground over there. Where's the steady revival? <laughs> Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Cassandra, <laughs> I love what you're saying about getting on top of your emotion, and it's such a simple tool that a lot of us just don't use. It's like I'm feeling, I'm feeling, I'm feeling, but actually, let me step back as you say, why am I feeling it? Yes. you know, because also yes. when you look at change, it's why am I feeling it? But am I feeling it because I'm threatened because I might mm. lose my job? Mm. Like a lot of what you're feeling is a selfish feeling. You know, it's yeah, all about definitely. you yeah. versus yeah. actually let me look at the company. Do they have to go through this change? Yes, they're losing market share. Without mm -hmm. an acquisition, this company is going to close anyway. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. there's so many other negatives that if this didn't happen. So I love what you say, stepping out and actually unpacking what you're feeling yeah. because when you do that, you realize you, you, you create these big, giant, monstrous things in your head that actually sometimes aren't yeah. even there. They aren't so big, right? Just step outside. Let me share one more, one more quick story. Yeah. So soon after the second acquisition I was part of, this new manager that I'd be given, um, who didn't know me, you know, he'd been my manager for like two months. He came with the acquisition. And he basically sat me down and said, Cassandra, I like you and I want to keep you, but I'm just not seeing any value in having you in my organization in a couple of years. So, you know, you talk about signal emotions, you're talking about depression, like my, the hair on the back of my neck stood up and I know my hair is already wild and crazy, but the back of my neck standing up, my mouth went dry. And I was like, holy bejesus, I had to leave the office, like to, to get my conscious mind out of those emotions. I had to go to the nearest coffee house and just kind of think. And I'm like, you know what? My mouth has gone dry. I'm feeling enraged. That means that I'm in an opportunity. He's just presented me with an opportunity. And my thoughts were, I'm about to lose my job. My career is going down the drain. I'm not going to be successful anymore. And I thought, well, you know what? I have options. He said he gave me a couple years so I could find a position inside this company and not in his organization or start looking elsewhere to, to grow. Um, and I ended up leveraging that opportunity to create a role for myself outside of his organization, but still in that company. And it was such a better role. And right. so to this day, I'm so grateful that he told me that and that my mouth went dry and I felt like yeah. punching somebody uh, because it was, you know, it served my growth. So it was a, but isn't, it was a good isn't that such a good example of what we're talking about here is he said to you, I don't see a future for you in a few years. So you could go, well, don't you like me? Am I, am I not? Yes. Or yeah, you you're say, terrible. You suck. Yeah. How could you not? Right. I'm awesome. Exactly. Yeah. Or you could say, actually, he's doing me a favor. He likes me. He doesn't want to surprise me in 12 months time saying your job's gone. He's actually yeah. giving me the opportunity yeah. to succeed. And, and this is actually a kindness, you know, and again, this is that I love your, you know, concept step out of that emotion because yeah. Yeah. it's a very different place when you do. Yeah. yeah. It's a awesome. beautiful place. So awesome. good. So couple of maybe quick lightning round questions, quick, quick hit answers to, to kind Let's of get it. us. So, so, uh, so what would you tell our listeners? One, is there one book or podcast or something um, maybe beyond your own that's coming out and your own LinkedIn series? And you can mention those too. That's totally cool. Right. Yeah. So you could do that. I'm opening the door for that and I will, yeah. I'll do it if you don't. Um, yeah. But what would you have people look for? What's going to make them a better way to process change and a leader, an activator of change in an organization? If you haven't tapped into emotional intelligence training, do it. 
Um, A really great one is EQI 2.0. I actually got my certification from an an organization called Leadership Call. Um, They're amazing. They do all their trainings online. It's all virtual. Um, But do it for yourself. Do it for your organization. And that's going to help start giving you some tools, thinking about empathy, thinking about emotional self-awareness. That's huge. So I've actually integrated EQ, the latest in those EQ tools, into a lot of the trainings that I do with with my clients because it's so important. So work on that EQ and, and know that EQ is very different from IQ, right? right? You're kind of born with your IQ. It doesn't really change or fluctuate over time. EQ, you can grow, right? And it's not a matter of trying to get it as high as you can. It's just, you know, it's a subset of like 15 different skills. And depending on the role that you're in, you might want to flex five or six versus the others, right? And you cool. can always build and grow over time. So two other things I know you might tell you is talk a little bit about your LinkedIn course. Sure. So I just launched a new LinkedIn course last week. Well, in uh, early September. I don't know when this is coming out. Early September. And it's all about this. It's all about change enthusiasm. I give you pointers about how Ross said stepping outside of your emotion. How do you do that when you're in the heat of a moment? How can you do that? How can you maximize an opportunity that change presents you? As a leader, what do you need to be conscious of to make sure your organization remains engaged and inspired when you're leading them through big disruption and transformation? Uh, So that course is out uh, already out now. Um, And then next year, I'm super excited. My book will be coming out. Um, So if you want to check out the LinkedIn Learning course, it's going to give you a little teaser to what the book is all about because a lot of the same concepts are going to be shared. But the book will be available for pre-order in uh, spring of 2021 and then we'll formally come out late summer. But if you want to get subscribed on my newsletter, go to CassandraWorthy.com. You'll get my monthly newsletter, which will have all the news. And then just, you know, you can check back on my website. I'll also have a a button for pre-order when that's available as well. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we have covered a lot of turf. We've kind of gone in and out. We've had a lot of fun. Um, I don't, I, I think there was a little energy on this on this podcast. Maybe a little. Maybe. <laughs> I hope. Come on, Patrick. We took him to the revival. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, on behalf of all of us at Change Cultivators, uh, thank you so much for taking time out of your really busy schedule to kind of spend a little bit of time with us, allow us to explore this topic, share a lot of the great nuggets that you've had in your career. Uh, we are so grateful for you kind of being so open and transparent about it. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Roz, any final closing comments from you? Just great conversation, Cassandra. I'm so excited and I uh, just loved, loved having you on the show. So I'm glad. My pleasure. You- thank you. Thank you both for having me and thank you to the listeners. Thank you much. Bye. Very See, cool. Y'all are cool, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think we could do our podcast for two hours. Do you think people... <laughs> I, 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 think, I think when the book comes out, we have to do it again. I'm down. I'm totally down. Oh.